volume two chapter two of the rebel rose by justin mccarthy and rosa campbell prayed this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter two among the lilies for days before the stonehenge visit bellarmin's soul had been sorely racked soon after he had sent away the fateful letter which was lady saxon's trophy a terrible revulsion of feeling came over him he felt like one who has sold his soul to the spirit of darkness never had he been deceived in his cooler moments by lady saxon's tenderest protestations and professions he knew that she did not love him that she was not a woman to love any one in the true sense his heart revolted at the thought of her treachery to her husband he felt himself degraded by the servitude he had allowed her to impose on him and now from servitude he had made it slavery he had written to her a declaration of love and it was not true he did not love her he was dazzled by her allured by her infatuated by her his senses betrayed him to her but he did not love her and he knew it now only too well he had a hideous presentiment that his letter would yet be made to play some part in some scheme of lady saxon's so little faith had he in her when he was not under the bewildering sway of her presence and her charm that he actually found this thought taking possession of his mind the thought that the letter had been drawn from him to be used in some way against him and added to all this was the feeling that now he had cut himself off from mary beaton forever little hope indeed had he ever that mary beaton could care for him or that anything could come of it even if she did but still he was free to think of her to fill his soul with thought of her to hold her always in his heart now he must try to think of her no more the bond-slave of josephine saxon must not admit the thought of mary beaton into the profane sanctuary of his heart he felt that such transactions have their own code of honour and he must order his heart so that it should not give out its feelings to any other woman a man he said to himself savagely ought to be one thing or the other he ought to be either good or bad he ought to have the courage of his goodness or the courage of his badness he ought to be not like me bellarmin was for the time distinctly unhappy he seemed to have lost interest in everything he was out of tune with political life there were moments when he wished he had never come up to london never got a seat in the house of commons the world his world seemed all darkened he could not see the sky or the stars anywhere he was as one who suddenly finds that he has lost sight or hearing or power of movement and whose senses are paralyzed by the appalling knowledge he had come to understand that in the terrible struggle between the two forces in his nature the spirit of evil had conquered but not cast out the spirit of good that the conquered spirit lay a perpetual ache and agony deep in its prison in his heart still bellarmin was young and whether he would or not his forces were elastic and he soon determined to make the best of his stonehenge visit to put on an appearance of brightness to meet mary bravely and to be in the world like a man of the world these thoughts were in bellarmin's mind as he came down by the train the same train which had brought mary beaton 
he found the party drinking tea in a quaint garden on one side of the house a garden laid out in fancifully shaped beds bordered with box and almost closed in by red brick walls on which hung big yellow marechal neil and souvenir d'amalmaison roses the roses were abloom in sunny sheltered regions now they grew in profusion at stonehenge and the very air seemed heavy with them lady struthers was at the tea-table general falcon and monsieur valmy were conversing together and mary and lord stonehenge sat a little apart they both rose as bellarmine was ushered towards them and lord stonehenge went forward to greet his guest but mary held back looking very stately and slender as she stood beside a bed of tall white lilies and indeed not unlike the lilies themselves bellarmine thought a little blush came to her cheek however when at last bellarmine shook hands with her i am glad to see you she said simply we were beginning to think that you didn't mean to come oh he answered i have had tiresome committees a tedious time altogether with only the consolation of feeling that i was doing my duty which was not much of a consolation after all under the conditions and the satisfaction of knowing that i should get a holiday anyhow at whitsuntide every one gets holidays at whitsuntide said mary and then she was going to say and then sir victor will be here but added we were going to give you a longer holiday have you seen sir victor champion asked stonehenge and felt immediately that the question needed some preparation for bellarmine gave a quick surprised look seen him yes every day but i've had no particular talk with him he is coming here in the whitsuntide recess said lord stonehenge calmly coming here repeated bellarmine still surprised and glancing at mary i did not imagine that i was to meet sir victor champion you don't object said lord stonehenge i know that you differ politically perhaps not as much as people think here political differences count for as little as those of creed and he made a gesture towards the priest you will find monsieur valmy a perfectly delightful companion so i hope you and miss beaton too will find sir victor i have an idea mr bellarmine that if you were in the house of lords you would sit on the cross benches in more senses than one mary laughed and so did bellarmine i dare say you are right said rolf anyhow i haven't the faintest dislike to staying in the same house with sir victor quite the contrary it is what i have often wished to do but i have never been given the chance i am delighted to meet him outside the field of politics mr bellarmine cried lady struthers from the tea-table handing him at the same time a fragrant steaming cup and the cream jug it's a fresh brew do you take sugar though it is not the fashion in england to take sugar i observe the first cup was delicious mr bellarmine our second wasn't so good but this is going to be quite as excellent as the first and strawberries i always assure foreigners that strawberry squash is really the typical english dish i tell madame mr bellarmine that there's one good you get by living out of one's own country for a number of years you notice things and you get perspective if i ever go back to schwalbenstadt i shall introduce the dear grand duchess to english strawberry squash that evening both mary and don jose were in particularly lively humour the girl seemed to have been endued with a spirit of playfulness and innocent gaiety 
that contrasted with her former vague depression and which was to bellarmin peculiarly captivating the young prince of saragossa still hailing her as his queen made himself her cup-bearer and poured her wine and waited upon her somewhat to the embarrassment of lord stonehenge's solemn butler bellarmin fell into the boy's fancy and gravely paid homage to the pretty pretendress the priests smiled benignantly general falcon scowled in sullen dissatisfaction to lady struthers and stonehenge each in a different fashion the proceedings savoured too much of a jest on the sacred subject of divine rights to be altogether agreeable but mary beaton and bellarmin were very happy perhaps neither of them quite knew why when dinner was over they all went back together to the drawing-room the windows stood wide open to the terrace and the lake shone silvery in the moonlight don jose vaulted forth and ran down to the boat-house where a tiny skiff was moored and presently they heard his clear boy's tenor ringing out a sort of boat-song in spanish which sounded like an invitation to follow him miss beaton paused a little irresolutely on the sill i am going on the water said she looking back into the room and then she turned again and sang an answering call she had a very sweet but not very powerful mezzo-soprano voice with a pathetic note in it that struck bellarmin as peculiarly in harmony with that slightly melancholy strain he had noticed in her character madame said falcon abruptly you will not trust yourself alone on the lake with the prince who to say the least is young and heedless but indeed i shall my good general replied mary with pretty wilfulness and we shall sing duets on the water to which you may join chorus from the bank if you please lord stonehenge let us have coffee in the boat-house and you gentlemen may talk politics or science or anything you like while don jose and i enjoy ourselves and i said lady struthers shall beg to remain indoors if madame and his highness will excuse my attendance the lake has no attractions for me i am not fond of leading the vie de canard which appears to delight you so in england we make a virtue of necessity lady struthers put in bellarmin dr amblaine and i will enjoy a game of draughts or a little literary conversation went on lady struthers the pleasures of intellectual intercourse have not come much in my way since we left the cultivated circle of the residence i must confess that i am disappointed in english society and she threw a rebuking glance at bellarmin it seems to me that the entree to the highest circles in london political or social is far from being a guarantee of intellectual distinction quite true lady struthers answered bellarmin you must amuse us is the first command of smart society it doesn't say you must improve us miss beaton went lightly out into the garden singing still as she walked bellarmin followed her he carried a white knitted cloud lady struthers beseeches you to put this on she let him wrap the shawl about her head and shoulders i have never heard you sing before he said oh i sing very passably i assure you she replied but i have a perverse and gammon taste for street songs and general falcon doesn't encourage me in it he thinks it is unbefitting your bellarmin was going to say pretensions but stopped himself and added your illustrious descent exactly and there he is wrong 
mary stuart never thought about what was befitting or unbefitting her dignity and yet she was always a queen that's part of the bore of sham royalty mary added with a sigh one has metaphorically speaking to keep the sceptre and crown perpetually en evidence now i am sure if your queen when she was much younger say had taken a fancy to sing johnny peel or up in a balloon boys every one would have thought it quite pretty and nice bellarmin laughed mary turned her bright frank eyes to him they were sparkling with amusement i have only seen the people in their wretchedness she said and her face became suddenly sad again i want to see them in their places of entertainment mr bellarmin she clasped her hands with a girlish impulsive gesture i am going to carry out the most daring project when i go back to london i should shock you so terribly that i long to tell you what it is but i dare not i have only brought the general to consent by dint of coaxing and promises of the strictest secrecy i dare say i can guess said bellarmin a private box at the oxford or the london pavilion oh dear no nothing half so much in the world but don't ask me another question whether by design or accident they had made a little detour and instead of proceeding straight to the bank of the lake near which don jose was paddling they turned up by a small inlet crossed by an ornamental bridge tell me said bellarmin looking at her in a half amused half earnest manner what is the meaning of it all the meaning of it mary repeated and she stopped short on the bridge and looked up at him the meaning of what this sham royalty as you call it what is it to end in noblesse oblige said mary a little haughtily i am the last of the stuarts that of course no one doubts it but he paused he had a vague impulse to question her that he might discover to what extent she herself was aware of any political or social machinations on the part of her adherents though mary beaton had been magnet powerful enough to draw him at once to stonehenge it puzzled him a little why he had been invited there he wanted to find out what was expected of him how far he was supposed to espouse miss beaton's claims why sir victor champion had been asked whether the meeting between him and sir victor had been arranged by the jacobite clan with a view to furthering the minor stuart business or by champion himself for a greater political purpose his embarrassed manner quickened mary's curiosity well she said what is it that you are wondering about i'll tell you i'm wondering about two things why general falcon and lord stonehenge were so good as to press me to join this party and by the way why does general falcon scowl at me so fiercely now that i am here he saw in the moonlight the red blood rise to mary's face and overspread its milky whiteness you were asked because well i'll be frank with you because i wanted to have someone new and entertaining and fresh from the outside world about me i am tired of all these fossilized interests as for my general perhaps it is that which makes him cross i can't be responsible for his whims they puzzle me quite as much as they can puzzle you madame said bellarmin with real feeling in his voice i am more than honoured i am deeply grateful if you knew what a sweet and soothing beneficial influence you have over me 
you would not be surprised that i thank heaven for the kindly impulse which made you wish for my company there was a little pause it seemed to bellarmin that the red deepened on mary's half-averted cheek and the other thing you were wondering about she asked presently the other thing oh why is sir victor champion coming mary looked round at him with a bright little laugh well i don't mind confiding to you the least little faint hint of a very tiny political conspiracy which lord stonehenge got from mr tressel and which he let out to me only yesterday mr tressel just suggested that sir victor would not be sorry to see something of you in a friendly informal way oh mr bellarmin it is too delicious that i should be mixed up in your english parliamentary intrigues i wish you were on sir victor's side i believe in him you wish i were on his side said bellarmin slowly not against your convictions of course i think on the whole that what interests me about you is that you are a frontier still i believe i should not be sorry if your convictions were to take the same form as sir victor's you believe that he has sincere convictions that he has the good of his country at heart oh i am certain of it no one could watch his face and see the light kindle in his eyes when he talks of what is near his heart and not feel that he is intensely in earnest i have seen him several times lately he is very good in explaining things to me and he has such a pretty way of recognizing me as a steward and all that as if he were indulging the whim of a child he was fond of oh yes i believe in sir victor i am a little afraid of him i shall not dare to be frivolous before him as i am this evening but i admire him immensely all the same the thought came into bellarmin's mind as he walked along by mary beaton's side that it was curious these two women josephine saxon and mary beaton women as unlike in character and temperament as if they had been born in different planets and showing that dissimilarity most it seemed to him in the strange conflicting influence they exercised upon himself should both feel such genuine and apparently intuitive confidence in champion's political sincerity josephine's frank admission of a former acquaintance with champion dispelled any dark suggestions that might have rankled in bellarmin's mind her arguments and her appeal in their late interview had almost unconsciously to himself affected him strongly now they seemed to receive additional strength from the fact of mary's partisanship it was a curious convergence of opposing forces mary's enthusiastic expressions grated slightly upon him but they set him thinking if this bright intelligent girl were so imbued with belief in champion's high purpose was he right in refusing to hear what champion had to bring forward in his own support they had crossed the bridge and now by a turn in the shrubbery they had been skirting came suddenly upon the boat-house a kind of open pavilion with tables and lounges where the gentlemen were sitting and enjoying their cigarettes and where coffee was being served mary did not wait for any coffee but stepped into the canoe in which don jose was established and presently the two had paddled out into the lake monsignor valmy and lord stonehenge called out admonitions to keep near the shore the boy and girl laughed and murmured together and in a few moments their voices burst on the still soft night blending in a rollicking rhine song 
it was very charming and poetic bellarmin thought he sat somewhat apart near the wide entrance arch of the pavilion silent and dreamy as he smoked his cigar and gazed at the white figure in the boat and the noble head and the play of features and eyes which seemed spiritualized by the moonlight the two young people went on singing song after song pushing out into the lake so that their voices sounded softer and more distant and now they turned a little point and were hidden by a drooping willow though the sweet ringing melody told that they were not far after a while they stopped singing altogether it could be seen that they had landed on an islet in the middle of the lake where there were more willows and another pavilion meanwhile the men had fallen into general half-political talk and the question of mary stuart beaton's inheritance was brought up general falcon was explaining the position to monsignor valmy and while the echo of mary beaton's and don jose's first duet still lingered in his ear bellarmin was roused from his dreamlike reverie by a pointed question end of volume two chapter two